We are back for another footy feed update, looking at all 18 clubs across the AFL's shutdown period. I'm Riley Beveridge. I'm joined by Mitch Cleary. How are you doing, Mitch? Going well, thank you, Riley. Mitch, today we're here to analyse St Kilda. And if there was a side that wouldn't really know what to make of their round one performance and have got a long time to stew, stew on it, then it's, it's probably the Saints. They look so good for two and a half quarters and then so poor for one and a half quarters. Where do you assess them after one game of the 2020 season? Yeah, pretty disappointing that second half led by 29 points at half time and only a couple of days ago, Mark McGowan and I spoke about the ruse and, and how it showed their resilience and um, I'm not going to go that strong on the Saints, but it was pretty disappointing after the summer they've had uh, so much hyper in the new guys that they just couldn't close that game and the thing that I keep coming back to with the Saints and I know it's going to be a bugbear for so many of their supporters is their goal kicking. So 27 of their past 45 games, they've kicked more behinds uh, than goals. And on the way, on the in that round one, they kicked seven goals, twelve, a couple on the full. So they just didn't have, they just didn't have that killer instinct to kill off the ruse. And uh, I think that's one thing they'll need to rectify. Hopefully, their players are finding some goalposts during the shutdown period. They had a massive trade period in 2019, arguably the busiest side across October last year. Where did they strengthen best? And if they are going to have a push for a September berth or, or whenever finals uh, are held in 2020, who's going to be leading that push? Where's, where's their genuine strengths this year? Yeah, I think the midfield speed was one thing they really wanted to identify. So you look at their midfield from last year, Jack Steele, Seb Ross, Luke Dunson, they're all capable of picking up 30 touches on their day. And Steele played that lockdown role. Uh, a bit more of the chat this year with him at the Saints was uh, allowing to, him to be just a, a pure ball-hunting midfielder. But they've gone and added uh, Zach Jones and Bradley Hill. Hill's going to be that outside guy playing in the wing. I think Jones is more of a wingman, but they see him playing a bit inside as well to provide burst from stoppages. In saying that, just that polish is one thing that I still um, sort of raise my eyebrows at at the Saints because uh, I watched highlights of that game before doing this uh, podcast this morning and Zach Jones missed three goals, three behinds that other midfielders may well have nailed. So that's part of his game that he needs to um, to pick up on. And the other one was Paddy Ryder to, to strengthen that ruck division with Rowan Marshall. Uh, I think Marshall was one of the revelations across the whole competition in 2019. They went and added uh, Ryder so they could play half-half in the ruck and attack. But again, only one goal between the pair of them in round one. So I think the ruck, that midfield speed are two things they'll be hoping for uh, when round two resumes. Just on the midfield, is it good enough to get them into the finals? Do you mm. think the, the the midfield batch that they've got, I mean, it's where a lot of sides get their drive from. Is it going to be enough to get them into the top eight? I still want to see guys like Jack Billings and Jay Gresham going in there and having big influence on games. Oh, Steele, Ross, Dunstan, they're nice pieces. And Seb Ross, another BNF last year, and and Steele uh, podium in that, in that BNF again. But... They're just not match winners. And I think Bradley Hill is a match winner, but have we seen it all that often? Probably not. I think Gresham and Billings are those type of guys, but I want to see it more consistently and on a bigger emphasis on on those two players. Now, we love this space, the trade space. I look at I look at St Kilda now, and I think they they brought in, what, five or six players on, mm. on pretty big money at the end of last year. Do, do they have the ability, both cap-wise and 
draft asset wise to, to make a few trades to go after someone like a Jordan Dugowie, for example? Well, a big part of what they were able to do in last year's trade period was bring in all those guys and not trade away their future pick for 2020. So they, they do hold this year's first round pick. The Saints are obviously hoping that's going to be in the late teens when they move up the ladder, but that was probably pigeon. And we spoke about it last year's trade period, didn't we, Riley, that it was going to be sort of on the back burner for uh, Ben King. He re-signs now at the Gold Coast, so they do, they do now have that to play with. Um, and that's where I look at a guy like Jordan Ngoi. The Pies are going to, because he's not a free agent, he's going to need to be traded out of Collingwood. The mm-hmm. Pies are going to need to facilitate a trade with whichever side do, does come after him, provided he does leave. And yeah. that's still um, more against the odds than than um, him actually staying. I think he's more likely to stay, um, to be honest. But when it comes to the money, um, heading into last year, the Saints had the most money to play with. Uh, they were at least um, spending least on their salary cap, which meant they had the most underspend and the most money to be able to go and splash on Hill, um, Dougal Howard, who, who's coming on, on a five-year deal, uh, Zach Jones, and even uh, Dan Butler, who would be on um, some nice money. So I now question whether they've got the money in their salary cap, having done what they did last year, to go and get a Jordan to goey. Whereas two years ago, when they threw a million dollars a season at him, absolutely they would have. But now... I'm starting to think um, it may be a struggle for them given what they did last year. If you're looking at their list situation, I know they've been to, to quite a few drafts over the last four or five years, but they obviously gave away a lot of draft capital to get in the guys that you mentioned there, Bradley Hill, Dougal Howard, uh, Zach Jones, those type of players. How much of a consideration would that be that they probably do need to to reinvest in some young talent at some point of view when they're going after guys like Jordan to go? What what are the what are they mm. weighing up in that situation? Like, do they need a first round pick or can they afford to to continue on this investment and this splurge on on talent from from other clubs and not take a, a, an early pick into potentially two straight drafts? Yeah, it's a great point, and I think. We go back to a couple of years ago, they went and got Hunter Clark and Nick Caulfield. Caulfield couldn't break into that round one team. And that, that is a concern for me, that a guy taking the top 10, entering his third year of AFL footy, is not in the round one team. Um, saw a great piece online this week from Cal Toomey talking about Hunter Clark and his rise. I think he will be a star of this footy club. And the other one I failed to mention, he's not young, but Dan Hanabry, if he can get his body right, is a match winner in that midfield. But... Outside of Max King, they just don't have – obviously skipped last year's draft, as you're talking about, so they don't have anyone. But Jack Bytel still coming over his body issues. We saw what they did a couple of years ago, getting mature age guys, Robbie Young, Matty Parker, Nick Hind. So that young core of guys, 18 19, for a club that's continually missing finals is going to be a hole in years to come. And that's why it's a great point you raised. Do they – do they go and get a Dugowie or do they go to the draft with what could be a round of pick 10 and go and get the next kid? Because when these uh, top-end guys they've got right now start to filter out of the side in five, six, seven years' time, they're going to be hoping that they've got quality that they've picked up in the 2020 draft uh, at their disposal. Last one from me, Mitch. They're, they're obviously, when a side is as busy as they were throughout the trade period, there's going to be increased expectations and, and, and increased tips on where they could potentially finish. A lot of people sort of still saw them on the fringes of the finals despite their their splurge on rival talent. Are they good enough to make finals? Do, do you think, should the season start up again, hopefully it'll start up soon, 
Arsenal and Kilda are going to be among those sides that are genuinely in the finals mix? I think they are. Their best 22 is, is a good side. And I think players that we saw miss round one, Jack Sinclair, Josh Battle, I see as a quality player. And that was a bit concerning for me, a player out of contract in Josh Battle who wasn't in that team. Uh, we mentioned Nick Caulfield. So the depth all of a sudden is there at St Kilda because they go and get these guys they did last year and the depth all of a sudden grows. But looking at that round one performance, there is still a lot of holes in this team. I think they're good enough. I don't think they make it. Brett Ratton's got three years on his contract. If he's not making finals by season two, then alarm bells will start to think start to come, I think. Mitch, thanks for your time today. And don't forget, for all the latest news throughout the game's shutdown, you can keep clicking back to afl.com.au and the AFL Live official app. <laughs>